We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. And today I am talking, my name's Taylor Henry, I'm the Public Affairs Officer here, and today I'm talking with Father Joseph Dykert, who is a U.S. Air Force Chaplain at Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst in New Jersey. Welcome, Father Dykert. And good afternoon, Mr. Henry. Good to be with you. Well, it's, uh, call me Taylor, please. Uh, and uh, uh, glad to have you here. And uh, so how long have you been up at uh, uh, Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst? I've been there uh, just over two years now. And uh, what is your day in and day out life like there? Yeah, currently I'm working almost exclusively with the Expeditionary Center, which is kind of like a numbered Air Force or a number of bases assigned to the Expeditionary Center, but they cover the mobility aspect of much of our Air Force and in particular also has kind of a schoolhouse. They are training people for contingency operations and many other specialized courses and trainings. And uh, so how long have you been in the Air Force, Father? I've been in the Air Force since January of 1994, so that makes 24 years. How much longer before retirement? Oh, who knows? Uh, you, you know, if my health uh, fails me, then I'm retiring pretty soon. <laughs> you know, otherwise, if uh, health still uh, you know, is a non-issue, uh, we'll see how long this ride goes. I hear you. And so tell me, how did you discover your vocation first to the priesthood, and then how did you come to sense a calling to the chaplaincy, serving those who serve? As far as a vocation to the priesthood, as a young lad, I had often thought of it uh, off and on, and uh, in the course of yeah, my high school days, you know, was encouraged to pursue that, and uh, I confess that I probably wasn't the most willing vocation God ever called, you know, so I you know, fought the Lord as long as I could and as hard as I could, and uh, finally relented, you know, in uh, the course of my seminary trainings and uh, embraced the vocation. Where did, where did you grow up? I'm a native of yeah, southern, southern, central North Dakota near Bismarck, where my family you know, had a <clears throat> kind of a diversified farm, but mostly dairy. And uh, that's your <coughs> home diocese? Bismarck, North Dakota is my home diocese. It's cold up there in the winter. Yeah, it gets bitter cold up there in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in a seminary and... Uh, was it during your seminary for net formation or after you came out of seminary that uh, you sensed that uh, you might be called to the military to be a chaplain? Actually, during my seminary formation, I was at the North American College and in Roman, Italy, and the college insisted that we find in our alternate years some apostolate or some uh, a way of learning during the course of the summer rather than returning back to our home cities or our home diocese. And during one of those summers, the Army you know, hired a number of us as chaplain assistants you know, in Germany. And so I had one of those positions in a little town of Germany called Bad Kreuznach, you know, where I was first introduced to the Army and to the military. So that was kind of the first time I really ever had 
they had discovered the uniqueness of military families and uh, ministry to the, the Catholics in the military. So you were not yet a chaplain at this point. You were a priest. No, I was only you were a, seminarian. a seminarian. Okay, That's you were right. a seminarian. And uh, so you hadn't gone through training, uh, I suppose basic training that the chaplains have to go through? No, never did. What was it about what you saw there that sparked the interest in military chaplaincy? What interested me then and caught my attention then was the openness of families. They really were very receptive to me and were very responsive to seminarians, you know, and so they were anxious to have me there, and one of the families even put me up in their spare room up in uh, the attic, if you will, of the residence where they were living, a nice little room that uh, I could stay in that entire summer. So I got to know that family well, and part of what enticed me not only by that family was the many families, how quickly they welcomed one another and how quickly they became friends with one another and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, they also then have a very unique spirituality because they have to deal with you know, the spouse, a husband or a mother being gone you know, often. And they also had to deal with the fact of moving often you know, and relocating both schools, homes, uh, the, the whole thing that drives you know, a, a family stability. And so... so what enticed me again was they had to have a very unique uh, spirituality to be able to do that. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing about uh, military families. I think it comes from the fact that they move around a lot mm-hmm. and they've shed whatever cultural baggage they might have had growing up in one place. So they're more receptive to meeting new people in new settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, um, you went back to finish your seminary, and uh, how long was it before you sought permission from your bishop to uh, come over to the archdiocese for the military services? I finished the seminary years, yeah, and was ordained a priest in 1984. Yeah, at which time I indicated to my bishop the the, the kind of the lingering thought uh, and appreciation I had for the military, and perhaps someday maybe even serving there. And he was supportive then. And uh, in the course of time, one year leads to two, two years leads to three. And pretty soon I was six, seven, eight years into uh, ministry in my diocese and getting ready for a change, needing a change as I had been in prison ministry and juvenile correctional ministry and and pastoral work all at the same time. And so I said, well, time for a change and you know if i don't pursue the military you know and serving as a chaplain in the military then age will tell me that i can't because i'll be too old so i at that time he continued to ask uh, my bishop if i could serve in the air force as a chaplain and where have you served in your 24 years gosh i've had a very blessed uh, time in these 24 years, it seems like they've all been plums. I've never had a bad assignment. I started in Dover in Delaware and moved from there to a a joint base, excuse me, a special operations base down in Fort Walton Beach in the panhandle of Florida, and then went to England to a fighter base, uh, RAF Lakenheath, 
and then moved to Washington, D.C. to Bowling Air Force Base, followed by <clears throat> you know, a tour at Beale Air Force Base in Northern California, then to the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, and off to hardship duty in Hawaii at Hickam <laughs> Air Force Base, and then back to the East Coast to Langley Air Force Base and Air Combat Command, and then up to my present assignment. Any uh, any uh, time spent in the Middle East since we've been over there uh, this last go-round? I've been in the Middle East uh, deployed five times. I see. Tell us about your Middle East deployments. Uh, those have all been unique, uh, starting with uh, Kyrgyzstan in 2003. Uh, it's a former Soviet Union, and <clears throat> uh, one of the things that it continues to be a real blessing for me is meeting some of the Franciscans that were missionaries at that time as the Soviet Union had fallen, and now they were bringing Catholicism, if you will, to that part of the world to basically, you know, in a, you know, unevangelized people, you know, a poor people, third world country, and I was able to spend some time with uh, them and working with their locals. Uh, truly a grace-filled time, you know, and uh, discovered, you know, then that, you know, the children in whatever culture it is, they're always children. They love to play. And in one of the Mid-Eastern tours following that in Iraq itself, 2005 in Iraq with you know, one of the deployments I noted as we took you know, soccer balls and toys out to Bedouins in the desert, the nomadic uh, tribes, you know, the children were quick to play soccer with us, you know, kick the ball here and there and wherever and show, show to us, you know, how you know, experienced they were compared to us. And uh, yeah, again, the, the fact of the children, you know, basically breaking down the barriers between cultures if there existed any. Uh, yeah, and in addition, learning the culture itself, uh, appreciation for different tribes, different peoples, uh, ancient uh, biblical lands. Uh, those were all uh, unique treasures that came out of that deployment, and uh, many of the others in the Middle East uh, similarly followed suit. So uh, what is it like being a Catholic priest in the Air Force now? We've heard a lot about the controversies that have taken place out of the Air Force Academy where you once served. Uh, have you experienced any pressure at all to not do your job in the Air Force, not be a minister, not be a uh, you know an apostle for Jesus Christ? I've always thought that as a priest, I had the best of all worlds, that I got to practice my faith in ardently Catholic and to enable others who express the same to be able to practice their faith, both at the academy and otherwise, and at the same time appreciating that if I was free to practice my faith, then everybody else should be free to practice their faith as well. So in the course of time, we've rubbed shoulders with most every kind of religious expression and tradition and even found a joy in trying to accommodate the legitimate requirements of different faith traditions you know, and faith backgrounds. You know, and seeing that as if I do that, then I'm also free to do my own you know, as a priest. 
the Air Force, like the other two branches, is experiencing experiencing a severe shortage of Catholic priests. Um, have you noticed this in your work? Do you find yourself doing three jobs instead of one? Are there enough masses for the men and women who are in the Air Force? I've always appreciated the ability to say mass and to practice you know my faith and i've never thought of the priest shortage at least in my respect as uh something which would burn me out because i would have too many masses you know the daily mass the weekend mass schedule has never been that overburdening to me uh, i've enjoyed those and those have always been energizing and revitalizing for me actually uh and even overseas when you were in uh you said you were in Iraq. Were you in Afghanistan ever? Uh, only as a passer through. <laughs> I see. <laughs> well, anyhow, uh, in the um, combat zones, mm -hmm. uh, what is the uh, availability of a priest to the uh, men and women who serve there? That often depended on the location where you know, a soldier, airman, or sailor was uh, assigned. I remember one particular deployment in Balad, in Iraq, um, <clears throat> and visiting the hospital where we brought in the wounded from combat. Uh, one day an individual sees me and he hears that I'm a priest and he says, oh my gosh, you're the first priest I've seen in eight months. You know, So the availability always it was uh, something that depended on where a person was, you know, what unit they were with. It uh, wasn't uh, carte blanche across the board that people had, you know, a priest that uh, would be there for them in their hour, you know, when they needed one. That's got to be difficult for the priests who are in service. I mean, uh, uh, I know that you say that you've not, suffered any burden by having to say the extra masses but you work awful hard don't you well i like to think that i work hard you know but i like to think that it's also a grace to in those de deployed situations especially to be with our men and women who serve us in uniform and that has always been very very gratifying for me in yeah, of course, in those locations, you, know, you just uh, have a singular mission. So it's to take care of those uh, men and women, and uh, that's gratifying. What is the um, younger generation like uh, in terms of their religious experience and belief? Uh, do you sense that the, uh, the kids coming up now through the service are tend toward more secularist ideals as we see out in the society at, in, at large, or do you still still see about the the same amount of a religious profession of faith now with this generation as yours and my generation or the ones that came before? I would see a couple of things today that are just a little bit different than they used to be. First, across the board, the young are not quite as eager to attend the traditional services as they were 20 years ago. You know, but, and secondly, you know, that many of our young, even as they encounter difficulties, you know, do not have a background with which even to address 
you know, their spirituality and their spiritual questions. So sometimes, you know, I'm concerned about that. But on the other hand, I do meet an awful lot of young people who give me great hope that uh, they truly are more defined in their values than certainly I was at that age. Father Joseph Dykert, thank you so much for talking to me today. Father Dykert is a chaplain, an Air Force chaplain at Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst in New Jersey. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much for having me today.